And hello, hello, welcome back to the Gay Racing Podcast. Zach and Alex back here with you. And today, um, we are in the middle of the summer racing season. The Superstar Racing Experience is coming up with its new season. And we have Michael Carey joining us um, from SRX. And Michael, we've been following you for, as I said, the nostalgic 2020 period of NASCAR Twitter. We've been following you since then. You've been a pleasure to kind of interact with. Um, so for those who don't know you kind of give listeners a background on what you've, um, just what you're do, what you do for SRX, I guess you can start with and then other stuff you've done. Um, just, yeah, a general kind of intro. So with, well, thank you both for having yeah. me. You know, I always see the episodes popping up and honestly at the back of my head, I'm like, I wonder if I'm ever going to get on that or, oh! you know, so it's, it's, it's a dream it's come cool true. To, it's, it's pretty cool to be on this, but yeah. So, uh, I'm Michael Carey. I handle all the, I'm the director of social and creative for SRX. Uh, I joined up last year with them. Uh, Don Hawk, the CEO reached out to me and pretty much just kind of saw how I handled my social media and everything I was doing for my old previous job at Toby Christie. And he brought me in, uh, sent me a message and, so ever since then, I handle anything social, digital, creative, uh, putting the cars together, uh, choosing the colors for the cars. No way. Uh, so you do handle yeah. all that. I had a feeling you did. Yeah. Wow. So I, I didn't design. I didn't. Te- I didn't design right. the SRX car. Like the wrap we made. We made the X compared to last year, like a couple inches skinnier. That was a suggestion that I wanted to give more sponsor space. That's just like one of the yeah. small changes, but. So I'm the one who puts together all like the wrap files for the cars. Uh, I do the pitches to the sponsors, uh, all the social graphics, the 3D rendering, wow. videos, and photos. Oh, uh, yeah. you're, you stay busy. Wow. Yes, it, I stay very busy all the time. It, it's good, though. I mean, it, it's a lot of fun. And um, when I'm not doing SRX, I work with NBC doing their production support. Uh, usually that kind of takes more precedent uh, during the fall when SRX kind of, yeah. uh, there's not much going on on track and whatnot, but... A lot of hats to wear, but uh, I really do enjoy it. It's a lot, but it's a lot of fun. Wow. That's awesome. And I thought SRX just looks like a fun place to work. Because, you know, the series is just fun. And now that you're working for them, like your social media is one of the most fun out there of all the racing Thank you. stuff out there. And it's just fun to follow. And you do interviews. Like you just pulling out with uh, Alan Best. Oh, I that love that. Oh, I almost cried. <laughs> and yeah. there's one with like Tony Stewart. Like, what's that like? Just interviewing these like legends of the sport. It's pretty, it's pretty unique because, you know, I, I kind of took a step back when I was at Media Day. And the, the amount of talent you have between a Tony Stewart, a Marco Andretti, a Kevin Harvick, you know, a Ryan Hunter Ray. You know, you have a very diverse group of drivers from different forms of racing, IndyCar, you know, World of Outlaws, you have all these different forms of racing. And to get them all under one roof and be able to talk to all of them. I mean, I think there were 18 drivers at our media day this year. Uh, Not all of them could attend because of scheduling issues and whatnot. But, you know, I had about 15 minutes with every driver and we just, you know, I asked them some fun questions some serious questions. And uh, it's pretty it's pretty surreal, to be honest. I mean, I was not, I bet. when I, when I joined SRX, you know, and they kind of just basically gave me the keys to the social media account. They said, just go be you, like, oh. you know, make, make our brand, make our brand stand out. And I have a background on camera, uh, from high school, college internships. So I kind of told them, I said like, look, I would really love to be on camera this year. And the ownership group actually agreed because I sent them my stuff and I said, Hey, here's what I can do. 
And so they agreed to it. And, you know, we were, they were kind enough to hook me up with a green screen crew and a camera crew upstairs at clutch. Oh and I sat down, had great equipment. Had to, I worked with some amazing people, uh, Trevor Gavin, uh, Plucky Studios, uh, Scott Keith helped me out a lot. I mean, there's just a lot of great things that happened, you know, in that green screen room. And, you know, the, the interview with Alan, honestly, was <laughs> that that was a top five moment for me. I would have been fangirling. I would have been well, fangirling. <laughs> as a kid, as a kid, and it, part of the interview, I actually said, yeah. like, I can personally attest to this. Like, you were the voice of my generation. I yeah. hit the microphone on my chest. So I ruined a great moment of, like, you know, me saying that to him because the microphone didn't pick it up. Because mm. just naturally oh. I went to grab my chest and the microphone hit it. Oh, no. But um, I remember playing Dirk Daytona as a kid. Yeah. And... You know, I'm Alan Bestwick, and this is NASCAR Heat. Like, you remember that stuff as a kid and went to sit down with him. And that was a very spontaneous – I had an opening from 1020 to 1040. I found him. I said, hey, can, can we go upstairs and I talk to you for a little bit? And he's very, like, absolutely, like, whatever you need, let's do it. Like, he's Aww. me and him have a very good relationship. And uh, it, that was – the whole day was surreal. There's just so much video content I want to put out. But with everything yeah. else I have to do <laughs> – there's just not enough time in the yeah. day to get it all done, but I'm trying, but there, there's a lot more cool content coming. Wow. And SRX, I mean, they're lucky to have Alan Bestwick, number one, just because he is such a legend in broadcasting. And also, it seems like they're really lucky to have you with all the work that you're putting in. And we kind of want to ask you, because um, you've also, you've been on um, NASCAR Race Hub before um, with Fox Sports, and you actually got the opportunity to host NASCAR Race Hub. So we kind of want to ask you about that. How did that even, like come about were you working with fox before then um just how did that come how did that come about so when i was at race hub it was a internship so what what's on my twitter page never made it to air it was more for my reel mm -hmm. um but what happened was i joined the, actually the philadelphia eagles is where all this actually starts because what you'll learn is in the tv business especially on the production side of things people who work uh, NFL games will also do NASCAR races. They'll do baseball. They'll do basketball, right. like all that. So Artie Kempner, if you watch the NASCAR on Fox broadcast, mm -hmm. you might hear Mike Joy toss his name around. He runs the, the show basically for Fox, I believe still. And he actually uh, knew a neighbor of mine from New Jersey. So I went to go work a race or work a NFL game with the Eagles through the 76ers play-by-play -play guy, Mark Zumoff. Uh, he, he's a legend in the NBA and he knew someone over at Fox. So he got me hooked up there as a runner and a runner is basically like an assistant kind of sort of like, you know, if yeah. the talent needs something yeah. or you're running. So <laughs> pretty much you're running all over the place. Um, so Artie, I met Artie and he basically asked me because he, he handles the NASCAR side of things too. And he just asked me, he said, what is it that you want to do? And I said, I want to be at the racetrack. I would love to be on air. You know, on pit road, I want to be at the racetrack every week. So he got me in touch with uh, NASCAR on Fox at the track, like the production side of things. And the woman who was running everything there, her name was Lynn. Uh, she brought me in as a runner for two races. And then we were in the Poconos and we had uh, Chris Myers was flying into Philadelphia. And I was living in Philly at the time. And she got all the runners together and she said, who knows Philadelphia the best? And I said, well, I live there. So I drove uh, about two hours to the Philadelphia airport, picked up Chris Myers, 
and we had two and a half hours in the car together and we just talked about our careers and everything and at the very end he said how can i help you get you where you want to go i said well the next step for me would go to north carolina he put me in contact with fox studios in charlotte and then uh just under a year later i joined fox race hub as a as an intern uh associate producer kind of sort of uh, it was like a cross between the two roles. Um, and then at the end of my internship, I had asked them, I said, Hey, can I please shoot something like just to show that I was here? And I did a reporter take, uh, a Kyle Bush when he unveiled his patriotic car at the NASCAR hall of fame. I did that with Alan Kavana. He was nice enough to let me tag along and I shot some stuff there. And then the race hub bit, uh, I worked with Shannon Spake, uh, Adam Alexander offered some advice and whatnot. And that was, I was the first intern to shoot on that new set, which to me was like, wow, you know, it, it was surreal. And I only had like a 10 minute window to get this done. So I was nervous because like they had to shoot something at like four o'clock. So it was like three 30 and they said, you have like 10, 15 minutes to shoot everything you want in this tiny space. So I had, I did it in one take. Oh and that is that's a piece of my reel that I think is definitely the most special. And you know, the whole race hub crew was it, it, it was one big family over there. I, I I'm can sure tell. Is now just from yeah, like Chris I mean, Myers giving you advice. It sounds like everyone in that like in Fox and I guess across the industry, they're willing to help out people who are coming up the ranks, and that's just really really heartening to hear about. To be honest. Well, I think the other thing is too like. You got to keep in mind that I took a lot of like that was them at one point. Yeah, so, and exactly. It takes, it takes personal reflection to really understand. Like I was in that kid's shoes twenty years ago, and right. you know, there, there's even there's there's people I know now who were just five or six years younger than me that are trying to get into the business too. And I'm doing my best now because of the experiences I've had to help them out. Like I'm trying to help people get jobs in motorsports. I'm trying to help people do this and do that. So I'm trying to just pay it forward because they did the same for me. Wow. Right. And that's, that kind of leads into our next question is like, do you have any advice or tips? Like you can pass that on to our listeners. If there's a lot of our listeners that want to get in there, maybe me included that, you know, like, what do you have to say? Like what advice do you got? Well, I think the podcast, that you guys have is a wonderful start because um, you can real. Th- that's a great way to get to know somebody, right? Like you, mm-hmm. if you have a platform, established platform that you want to talk to somebody on, bring them on and talk to them. That's a huge thing. But the biggest thing for me was not being afraid to ask questions or ask for advice from people. Like I remember I, I messaged Mike Massaro when I was in college because okay. He posted a video. I think it was actually, I think it was Alan Kavana. He posted a a CD of his reel from when Alan was, or yeah, when Alan was in like high school or college. And Mike Massaro made a comment on that. And I remember just thinking, what do I have to lose? So I sent him a message, and him and I were on the phone for a half hour the next day. Oh and gosh. we just talked and talked and talked. And, you know, a lot of people, I've done that. Like Alan Kavana was one of them. Um, Adam Alexander, uh, Alan Bestwick's one of them where, you know, I make these connections with them and I, I keep them abreast of what's going on in my career. So you keep that line of communication open. Um, 
just not being afraid to reach out to people. Like you would be very surprised how far a Twitter DM goes, an Instagram message, a LinkedIn message, especially LinkedIn, I think is where your, where your playground's going to be. Um, you know, had, had Don Hawk never messaged me that day, uh, at the end of January last year, I would not be at S direct right now, probably. So it's really not being afraid to just communicate with people. I mean, what do you have to lose? You send it. You, it's like sending a message between you two. Like, you know, you're going to just casually send it cause he's your friend or whatever. It's no different than connecting to someone on the other side. If they don't answer. Okay. You shot, yeah. you shot, you missed. Move on to the next person. It's completely free um, to send a Twitter DM for now. It is. But as long as you can get the courage to message people and be willing to connect and introduce yourself. And a lot of people are pretty busy. So you're going to make it kind of, short and abbreviated but if you're right. willing to have the courage just to message you know a chris myers or a mike joy or whoever that person may be um that will get you much farther than you think and you're not going to know if it works until you actually do it right for sure and i can attest to that like just like doing the podcast we've never had anyone say no to being on the podcast like sometimes like oh not right now but i would love to later yeah, like that's like the close to no we've gotten. So like we've had actual race car drivers on here. We've had like Matt Weaver was my biggest one. I was like, oh my god, he actually wants to. <laughs> like, that was crazy. And like I'm friends with Matt Weaver now. Like it's yeah. it's really cool. We're, we're you know we're um, cool. <laughs> it's uh, a yeah, that that it's, right there. Being able to have Matt Weaver as a connection for you. Yeah. Like there could be a time where uh, this company needs a podcast host for talk about motorsports every Sunday. Matt might mm-hmm. hear about that and think, wait a minute, I know someone. Yeah. Like that's right. why it's so pivotal when you have those connections with people to keep connect like always stay connected with them at all times. You know, check in every month with them. Check in every couple of weeks, you know, just hey, hope yeah. you're doing well. I was thinking of you today. Can you read this for me? Like when I first met up with um Bob Hockers, uh Bob was up in New York and I was in Philly at the time. So me and him, we met up a couple of times just for food, dinner, and me and him were able to stay in touch for a while and we, you know, text each other every once in a while. Now I'll text him asking his opinion on stuff or, Hey, can you read my article? What do you think of it? You know, yeah. you will, you never know where your connections are going to take you five years from now. So if you can establish certain connections when you're in your early twenties or late teens, whatever the case may be, five years from now, that one connection might be the difference between getting a career in motorsports or going in a different direction. Right. That's great advice. And I would say to our listeners too, I know some people like don't even have Twitter accounts. They just found us elsewhere and you want to get motorsport. Like if you go to like a race, Jeff Gluck is always there. I've asked Jeff Gluck so much advice at those tweet ups. Oh yeah. I've talked to him so much. I've talked to Bob at those tweet ups too. Like there's a lot of different ways you can talk to people. Um, That's Mm -hmm. great advice, Michael. I I appreciate that. And I'm sure our listeners do too. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so let's talk about social media. Um, it's an interesting topic. We've yeah. talked about it on here, Zach. Uh, Twitter. Let's start with Twitter. It's certainly a thing. It's it's certainly. I mean, interesting. Twitter's like um, I feel like the core of the NASCAR yeah. community in a digital space, right? Starting from yeah. that Kislowski tweet in the in the car at Daytona, right? Like it all started there, and it's grown into what it is now. It is a very important part. You get news, you get reactions from fans and actual people in the industry. Like it's just such an important core part. 
and now seeing what kind of happened last weekend with the rate limiting thing. Um, so now some people can't even like see tweets, um, especially during like a really busy race weekend where everyone's tweeting about multiple series. There's just a whole thing going on. Now there's a new app called Threads. And Michael, since you're here, I it's almost perfect timing because you run the social media for um, SR, excuse me, SRX. And, you know, I'm just imagining it must be a little annoying to have to add another app to like probably the multiple apps you're already like posting on to get, you know, word out everywhere. So what what's your kind of take on all of this on the new state of like social media in NASCAR? All of these apps, like what's going on or racing with it for in general? You? Yeah, just racing in general. I mean, I think the state of social media, look, it's never going away. Right? Yes, one hundred. Like, no matter, no matter how many rate limits there are, social media is never going to go away. But mm-hmm. one, I panicked when I saw the rate limit exceeded. Like when that was a thing, I started legitimately panicking oh, no. because when I'm at the racetrack with SRX, I'm trying to post everything I can and. You know, it's a verified account, so at that point, you would have gotten more tweets to view. But, like, if I can't see what Stafford's tweeting about the the race or whatever, and I can retweet it and get content, like, that would that would affect me. So I'm glad that's out of the way. But um, I think the big thing with social media right now is just, ah, man, it's a lot. Well said. But, I mean, like, on... I focus so much more on the SRX side of things that like my personal account, I don't even touch it that often anymore. Like unless someone DMs me, for example, like I just put my focus on, on SRX and stuff. But I, I think, you know, I'm always in tune to the races though. Like I'll always be watching like F1 Twitter, NASCAR yeah. Twitter, just to see what people are saying, kind of get a pulse on certain things. Um, like the big thing last night was, you know, Justin Haley. Right, uh, you know, he exactly. was sputtering and he pulled out a line, and Hemrick was upset, obviously. But mm-hmm. just, um, it's always fun to read others' reactions to it. But also, when you take over uh, the branding or the account of a racing series or any corporate entity, uh, you you kind of watch Twitter a little differently. I would say, um, you kind of watch with a different eye, like more of like an unbiased perspective. Um, now you throw threads in there and yes, it is another platform to, to worry about and to put content on. And honestly, when they announced threads, it didn't hit me. They're like, wait a minute. I'm the social media guy for a racing series. I have to be on. Oh yeah. This is my job. <laughs> yeah, so when that happened, like I looked at my personal account. I was like, I'm not joining that. That's stupid. And then I was like, Oh, wait a minute. They gotta be on it. So I have to join it for SRX. Um, but with a new social platform, yes, it adds more work because my goal is not to copy and paste content on the platforms. Most of it is because you want certain content to be covered nationwide in a sense. But right. to try to tailor content specifically towards Threads, no one really knows what Threads is for yet. Like, will it be a more positive platform? Will it be media dominant? Will it be text dominant like you got we're in the middle of the, the baby steps of this platform so i'm trying both out i'll post the video and see how it does you know i'll post a text-based thread see yeah. how it does um it's always a learning experience though because every platform is different like facebook is not known at least from a from a corporate side of things facebook's not a memeing platform 
Facebook is more just publish yeah. the content that's relevant just to the demographic. Just raw information. Yeah, right. like race day, race like, like any meme I put out on the SRX account always stays on Twitter because Twitter, there's more corporations like McDonald's, uh, Wendy, Slim Jim, uh, there's a, they're having more fun. Yeah. Like they're talking right. like a child. They're putting out these <laughs> stupid memes. And, but the thing is they hit really well. Yeah. Instagram is not like that. Instagram pictures and photos are more, again, like Facebook, raw information. Show me the paint scheme. Show me the driver. Uh, Reels and TikTok are kind of reading. It's a mix, I would say. Reels and TikTok is more like fun, lighthearted, quick, very quick bits of content. Threads is, who knows? I think yeah. Threads will be kind of like Twitter. Maybe yeah. not. Because obviously trying to be heavy. like Twitter, but like, is it actually going to be able to do that? That's what we're all right. trying to feel out right now. Because right now it's just, well, it's the memes of how to use Threads. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, I, I think I posted one on the SRX account with the Clint Boyer photo. Like yeah. Clint, when I was oh, in media yeah, day, I, I I panned the camera because I was trying to get a swooping shot of Clint. And the minute the camera went to him, he like gave me a stone cold face and like turned his head. <laughs> so I screenshotted that and I put it on the Threads account and I said like, you know, boss says. You have a new social media platform and then social media managers. What new platform? Like, <laughs> you try to figure out what what's going to work. And it did, it did okay, I guess. I mean, I'm not sure, you know, from a numbers perspective. Like, if I get over, I would say, 1,000, 1,500 likes on an Instagram post on the SRX account, I'm satisfied. Threads, I have no clue what's a good number. Yet. That's true, yeah. Like, we have, like, SRX has, like, 6,000 followers on Threads right now, I think. But I'm still not sure what is a good What's good content for? It's all learning. And that's that's part of, you know, why you get hired for a job like this is just keep your finger on the right. pulse and to really understand the trends and the analytics. And, uh, again, I'll have to remember now that instead of five platforms to post on, I have six now. No. <laughs> um, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's interesting, but I think uh, it's, it's a learning experience for anybody. We're all going to suffer together. <laughs> for sure. Um, which app is your favorite to post on for personal use and for SRX? Hmm. Uh, I don't know. I would say Twitter is more fun for SRX because there's certain announcements that like you just know are going to do really good. Like mm. when we announced Ken yeah. Schrader full time, my phone, and sometimes just for, just for the fun of it, I'll turn all notifications on oh, gosh. <laughs> and just let the phone run and just, be like, <laughs> just for fun sometimes. But just to Twitter feel something. Direct, <laughs> yeah. It's just, just to kind of see like how fast everything's moving and whatnot. But uh, right. I would say Twitter is probably my favorite from the S direct perspective. Uh, Cause you can have more fun on Twitter. Like it's much more quick engagement. You know, if right. you put, if you tweet seven times in a day, the algorithm is not going to really make you suffer. If you post three Instagram pictures in a day, three separate posts, the algorithm might screw around with the numbers and, and things like that. So yeah. um, I feel like Twitter is definitely the most active. But again, it's all about Twitter's become, from a corporate side of things, companies are having more fun with stuff now. Like I, I will always look at like like the F one Twitter account. Oh yeah. You know, I mean I won't I won't get as I won't get as like 
you know, like a Wendy's, for example, like Wendy's sometimes is just borderline. Yeah, they're just brutal. Like, they're just <laughs> brutal. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you have to kind of understand, like, as a brand, what you can push. And, like, you know, I've tried certain things to see what I can get away with and whatnot, but um, Twitter's probably my favorite from the corporate side of things. Personally, like I said before, like, I, I just, Twitter, I guess. I mean, um, yeah. Uh, TikTok's the most fun to watch. Oh, definitely. But, um, yeah. like, I, like I said, from a personal side of things, like when you take over a whole other brand's Twitter account or social media accounts, your focus goes away from yours. Yeah. Because I put all my focus, like last year I deactivated all my social media heading into June because I wanted no distractions. I wanted to focus just mm-hmm. on SRX and it proved to, to do well because all my focus was in one place. I wasn't posting on SRX and then going to post mine, it was pretty much double posting on SRX stuff. Hmm. Um, Makes sense. But, yeah, it's, I focus, like, I've watched Twitter more from the corporate side of things than the personal side of things. Plus, for your mental health, I mean, you know, oh, yeah. sometimes right. personal Twitters can be a, a cesspool. Yeah. You know? Alex and I have talked yeah. about, like, Twitter and social media in general, mental health, how they are very, very related. Um, but, yeah. speaking of that, let's kind of move on to a more fun subject. Because, Michael, the most iconic part of your brand, I feel like, um, for better or worse, is the Hendrick font number 25, um, as seen on, what, the Casey Mears number 25 car in, what, 2007? And then yep. um, Chase Elliott's, like, debut car, the 25 as well. Um, yeah. So, like... <laughs> This was a whole debate, especially when, you know, Larson was rumored to be going to Hendrick. We didn't know if he was going to be in the 5, the 25, what, what, the 67, the, no, the 57. Um, why that number and that font? And that font. For you. Because I, I, I agree with you. I am a truther on that font over the Brian Vickers font. I really am. My man got up out of his chair. I don't know if it... <laughs> I think he's getting something. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. And it's a shame that they can't see the video right now, but what I'm about to show you guys, you guys might have seen this before. I don't know if you guys have seen this or not, but... Oh, oh, I have seen this! Oh, my God, it's a door. It's a door it's with a 25 door on it. off of the Casey Mears 2007 car. Um, oh, that's oh awesome. Gosh. So, really, the story behind that car... Bro, just whip that out. Is, <laughs> well, it's been in my closet for the last... I've been trying to hang it up. But the issue is, oh, um, pretty it's heavy. A, the door's heavy. The yeah. door's heavy. So ain't no um, command strips gonna hang that one up. <laughs> I need a friend of mine said he was gonna, you know, make hooks or something. Yeah, we just haven't had a chance to do it yet. But mm. for me, it was 2007. It was my second race ever at Dover, and me and my dad went to the spring race, the one that Truex won at, mm-hmm. and. It got moved to Monday. I think it was, yeah, it got moved to Monday because it rained on Sunday. So we both, I took off of school, he took off of work, and we went to the race. And I remember um, my first ever souvenir I ever bought at a racetrack was the diecast car of that 25. Oh, that's so cool. That's cool. So I still have it. It's in Philly. It's not here, but I I have the 124th scale out of my living room. That's wholesome. Um, But. I, for me, it was just that car always just, it was, it's beautiful. Like the yellow numbers, the 2007 Monte Carlo body style to me is the most gorgeous NASCAR stock car to ever grace the track. Um, 
yellow spoiler, yellow shark fin. The oh, it's all it. It just the whole car just it flows so well. Yeah, and it's a shame it only stuck around for a year. Um, right. But I I used to always NASCAR 08. I used to always use that car. Yeah. All the time, and even like now, like on iRacing, like. Um, when I eventually get like the Arca style body or whatever, like I'm going to use that car probably all the time. But yeah, the, the, the 25 debate on Twitter, it's fun because like it you is said, so back fun. in the, back in like 2020, like during that nostalgic <laughs> good old days. period, it was a war. Like, it was, I remember it being, was a war. It was intense. When I was, when I was with Toby Christie, like, you know, me and Toby used to always exchange, you know, friendly blows over that. Cause he was a fan of the, I think the, the, the old style 25. Well, yeah. Like, some people are wrong. That, it's it's fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Some people are, are way wrong. Um, but that 25 to me just always... The, the number 25 alone has always been a favorite number of mine ever since I was a kid. Um, maybe because Jim Tomey was a Philadelphia Philly. He wore the 25, and he was just an absolute monster when he was with oh. the Phillies. Um, that number always just meant a lot to me, and... Um, Obviously, anytime I if I go to iRace or if I need to pick a number yeah, for something, like that's just your number. 25. Yeah, and that style alone, like with that door, I remember um, a friend of mine. I was laying in bed at like eleven o'clock at night. I was just on TikTok, and he sent me a screenshot, and the door was on sale on eBay, oh. and oh, man. it was priced at like five hundred dollars with shipping so i'm staring at it and i remember i think i screenshot it i put it on twitter and i was just like oh dear god do i do this and of <laughs> course people started chiming in like oh you should do it like if anyone should have it it should be you and all that so i messaged the seller and we negotiated a price i you know i brought the price down a little bit um because i actually he the seller was in i think high point around that area high point North carolina and two days later, SRX was testing at South Boston last year. Mm. Like just a, just a tire test. So I got up an hour early, drove to this man's house. We actually talked for like a solid half hour. He had like a whole sheet metal collection. Like it was wow. actually really impressive. That's cool. Oh my gosh. Um, That's cool. So he gave, I got the door. And I remember like as soon as I got that door, I was like, I don't want to go to work. I want to go home and hang this up. Like I was so excited just to <laughs> like get a little it back kid. to my place. It's like a little kid with a yeah. new toy. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And the door itself, actually, I had to lay it in the back seat of my car, and it just barely fit in my car because oh the door, the way the way the door was cut, right. it was pretty big. Oh, um, but yeah, that uh, that paint scheme, man, I'll tell you, it's one so of the cool. most beautiful. Two thousand seven had a lot of good paint schemes. Like I think two thousand seven was one of the best years of NASCAR paint schemes ever. Um, but yeah, we all know the Superior Twenty Five, and I'll die on that hill. Yeah, I didn't know that you had the door. That's so cool. Yep. That is really cool. I love that. That was one of the most impulsive. That was actually one of the most impulsive eBay buys ever. So I remember I went on Twitter and everybody was like, oh, you should get it. You should get it. You should get it. And I was like, you know what? If a bunch of random online strangers are telling me to buy it. How do you say no to that? Yeah. yeah. Well, then, no? yeah. then the car itself went on sale. Like somebody was selling the actual race car. They're like, Michael Carey, get this. For like $20,000, they were bidding on it. And I was kind of sitting there like, 
I could either be happy or happy and in debt. So what's in your garage and right now? Maybe one day in another you know, world, one... another world, you take the camera and take us down to your garage and the 25 sitting right there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that oh would my be... God. If I were to ever buy a race car, that it's that one. one. It's that one. It would be a it would be a museum wow. piece for me, and I would just I would stare at it all day. Well, I have a feeling I know the answer to our special guest question <laughs> that we ask every single guest. So, um, if you could drive a lap at any with any car at any track, what car would it be? What track would it be? It can be a race car, a road car. It can be a race track. It could be a street course. Whatever. Um no safety um like don't you don't have to consider like ability or safety just whatever so curious to hear your your answer uh i actually have a number of quite of cars i would drive so my first answer would be obviously like a 2007 you know casey mears car right okay Duh. um <laughs> yeah. okay probably you have i would to. say at, i would say at dover because i actually mm. did do I did the racing experience at Dover twice. That's okay. cool. And I remember the one time I did it. The first time I did it, like I planned it out, like uh, I was ready to go and all that. The second time I did it, I got an email from the Rusty Wallace Racing Experience, and they said like, "Oh, it was just like on a Tuesday." You're like, "Oh, flat sale, like fifty percent off, like ten laps around Dover, whatever." And I remember uh, I asked my eight year old niece at the time. I said, "Hey, should I go do this?" He was like, yep. I was like, done. Bought it. <laughs> went to Dover on Saturday. Drove the car. And the one thing, though, that, like, at that track was the issue. When you do the NASCAR racing experience, you could talk back to your spotter. Like, they have the microphone, like, the headset and all that. When you had the Rusty Wallace experience at the time, I couldn't talk back to the spotter. <sighs> so my issue was I... The first time I ever drove a manual car, oh, excuse me, was um, Charlotte 2019. I did a racing experience in Charlotte. That was the first time I ever drove a manual car. Oh, my gosh. My That's crazy. Yeah. So, wow. But luckily, he was talking me through. He was, the spotter was talking me through how to do it. So the guy at Dover was like, look, man, if you don't get up to speed, like, I'm gonna, we're going to pull you back in. So eventually, I went from first to second, but I kept putting it back at first. Oh, right, yeah. Because I couldn't find third. And eventually, I kind of just said, you know, screw it. I grabbed second gear and just flung up and as far right as possible as I could and went up again. Then I found third. And then off I went. But Dover was insane because, like, you don't realize how much banking Dover has until you're in a car. Like, that's a high bank track. And I remember just as I'm turning to the left, I could feel my stomach, like, going, like, to the bottom right corner of my body. Right. I mean, it was oh a gosh. thrill. Like, it was an absolute Dover's thrill. such a cool track. I It's so underrated, I feel like, because it mm-hmm. had, like, some mid-races, like, a little bit the last, like, not last few years, but, like, you know, like, Gen 6 era. But yeah. look at the track, dude. It's a roller coaster. It is one of the most unique mm-hmm. ovals in America. <laughs> it is such a cool track. So, if I can't do Dover and the Casey Mears car, there were the, the last two years, I worked the Rolex with NBC. Ooh. And... When I tell you, standing at the Peacock Pit Box at Pit Out and hearing those cars 
fly off yeah. in turn one, like the backfiring. So cool. Oh my god, it was a thrill. Uh, the yellow Corvette. Yeah. The yellow okay. Corvette at Daytona Road Course would be a dream. Like I just, the Rolex was a race I begged NBC for years. I said, please let me work this race. I'll do whatever it takes. They finally let me work it, and that to me, like that that race is unbelievable. Um, it's such so a cool, cool. track. Uh, it's a unique event, it's 24 hours. So, like, we have to work, you know, most of that time. But uh, right. I'd go over with Casey Mears or the yellow Corvette around the Daytona Road Course for sure. I like those answers. I I stayed up for the Rolex this year, the entire 24 hours. I couldn't imagine, like, working it. Like, I'm sure you get, like, breaks and stuff, but it's just, like, mm. I was just chilling at home. I couldn't imagine, like, actually working for a lot of that. That's and, crazy. And, but the coolest part about it is when we drive into the track because like yeah we'll we'll we take shifts pretty much like you know okay we all get in at the same yeah. time saturday morning and then okay from you know nine to two um these people go home and sleep and then from 12 to five these people go home and sleep so like you take shifts but like driving into the racetrack at 6 a.m sunday morning and it's a little bit chilly cars are still rolling and uh the sunrise it was a beautiful race I, I, oh, I bet. It's an incredible experience. It's one of my favorite races in the world. I've never even been to it, but I love it so much. That's why I love Daytona so much in general. Just that, yeah, it's magical. Okay, so you asked me, you know, my car, my track. Let's go to you two now. What car and track you guys own? See, we've never actually answered the question yet. I brought it up to Alex. We should probably answer it one day. I don't even know. Well, well mine's probably Daytona. Mine's honestly Daytona Road Course, too. Daytona's my favorite racetrack in the world, period. Uh, I love it. It, this the atmosphere yeah. of that track at nighttime with or without the ferris wheel imza cars mm-hmm. or nascar cars fourth of july weekend or not even though it should be fourth of july weekend i just love daytona <laughs> so the road yeah. course what car um i don't know i'm a big like ford like my family's really got a lot of heritage in ford um like my mom really loved Mustangs. I think she was born the year of the first Mustang too. So like oh, wow. I feel like I would have to like choose some like the most souped up Mustang money could buy. Like I don't even know what or it's GT. called. Yeah. So some, probably GT. I guess that. Like why not? Mm. Yeah. I think I would go with the current Indy car, probably at Road America. I've never been there. That's my favorite road course out there. And I wow. love IndyCar. That's so. a good pick. That's one of those. That's one of the few NASCAR tracks I have not been to yet. Wow. So over over the last gorgeous. like six years, you know, I've been with NBC for six years, you know, helping them out. I've hit almost every track in the in the US at least. Uh, but a lot of like the new tracks they added in the last couple years, like the last three years, like I haven't hit Road America, um, Chicago Street Course, obviously. Um, I just went to Nashville. Uh, for the first time, like that track. Um, but yeah, I, Road America was one that I always circled as like just to like just to go, just to, like see how beautiful it is on, on TV. It looks gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, but to be there in person, I'm sure is a surreal experience. Yeah, I got to do that one of these years, for sure. Well, um, thanks for joining us. That was I learned a lot, and this was a great conversation. Um, before we let you go, do you want to remind our listeners where they can watch SRX this week? So it's going to be Thursday Night Thunder's back, yeah, ESPN, so 9 cool. p.m., uh, Stafford. Stafford's a cool track. I mean, yeah. the 
the the fans up in Stafford. Oh my God, we went there last year, and we had a Q and A, and I was standing on the stage with the drivers, and I couldn't even see where the crowd ended. Like it was wow, oh my gosh. it was surreal. I mean, New England fans are just passionate. Uh, but yeah, this year it's Stafford Thunder Road, Motor Mile, Berlin, Eldora, and Lucas Oil. That's so awesome. Every every Thursday coming up, 9 p.m. ESPN. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a hell of a hell of a summer, and we got a lot of great drivers and great tracks. So I hope yeah. y'all tune into that. I think the Thursday night is such a good time slot because, especially during the summer, I feel like race weekends are so so busy. So finding that mm-hmm. Thursday night, it's not competing with anything. It's perfect. So we'll, we'll you know what? be watching. It's going to bring back that 2020 feel of a midweek race. <laughs> oh, my it's God. Wait. We're going full circle. Wait. It's wait all, a minute. It's all nostalgia. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh. Oh, my and gosh. On the topic of nostalgia, and this is something that I forgot to share earlier, um, I was privileged to design the logo for TNC this year mm. for Thursday Night Thunder. And so I did so much research trying to find, like, I wanted to use, I wanted to, like, make a nostalgic modern logo. And the logo that we used this, that I came up with is kind of a nod to, I think it was 1994 or 5, the same years that Tony Stewart and Ryan Newman were in it. So the logo yeah. takes the That's 94 cool. 95 branding of it with a modern take on it so uh it, i haven't i have seen some promo material internally and mm-hmm. seeing the logo like active it's freaky like it's like i did that like i made That's that so cool. it's crazy wow but yeah that. you guys see that logo that's uh that was one i did we'll know what's you. behind it that's that's awesome. Yeah. Yep. Been a lot of fun this summer though. Well, thank you so much, Michael, for joining us here on the Gay Racing Podcast. Um, good luck with SRX this summer, of course, the next six Thursday nights. Thank you. Yep. And we will hopefully see you again. And um, listeners, we're gonna take a break and we're gonna come back to talk about NASCAR at Atlanta. So we will see you guys in a few minutes. Welcome back to the Gay Racing Podcast. It is time to talk about NASCAR at Atlanta. And Alex, listen. Coming into this weekend, our expectations, I think, you know, we're just going to watch another super speedway race. It is what it is. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever. Someone someone stupid will win. But little did we know, and the teams didn't even know this, but the track, let's, let's just say we were not familiar with Atlanta's game because this was a completely different racetrack than it was in March. Um, this The track surface has seemed to lose a lot of grip. In the last few months from obviously just baking in the heat. And it was very, very noticeable all weekend long. And, you know, add that with the weather that we were having in yesterday's race. Um, you know, the playoff drama that's kind of surging up. Yesterday's race was like the best, I guess, super speedway race that I've seen in, in years it was so engaging. There was no part about that race that made me upset. Like, I... Mm-mm. So, uh, like, let's get into it. Um, Like, I, I want to start with just talking about the handling. Just the, the track surface. Because I think that's the star of the weekend. Um, Because what they... So they didn't have practice for this, which... Dumb. 
they need to just have practice. Very work. dumb. Like how they remember they didn't do that for the Daytona 500 either. Like they just like well I get yeah. that it's a super speedway and yeah go ahead. It was because teams asked for less practice at the super speedways. So it's like we don't need it. Well but guess like, what? Need some practice <laughs> after this weekend they gonna be asking for practice <laughs> because they go into <laughs> qualifying expecting you know hold it wide open here. No, I believe Bowman um spun. I believe I don't even know who else spun, but a few drivers had some big moments in qualifying, and that kind of you know alarmed everybody. It's like, oh, we have to we we have to take handling into account. It's not all about you know just going as fast as you can flat out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turned that whole race that we saw last night into what you would kind of see at Daytona or Talladega and maybe what 2007 2008 um with their worn out surfaces um the gen 4 car maybe whatever like it was a classic mm-hmm. super speedway race that we have not really seen in years um so it was so last night was a bit of a spectacle it was a bit of a learning experience for everybody and honestly Alex I think I liked the because Atlanta obviously is trying to be like Daytona and Talladega, right? Yeah, but I want Daytona and Talladega to be more like Atlanta right now because that was so much better than what we had at Daytona. Now, don't get me wrong, I loved what we had at Daytona, right? Remember, we talked so many positive mm-hmm. things about the Daytona 500, right? Yeah, Daytona was solid, this even year. Talladega, yeah. I think we liked a lot. Um, I don't really remember, um, besides like the wrecks and stuff and overtime. But Atlanta here, just, you, like, where do we start? It's like, you know, so handling is a factor, right? So the field had a little bit of spread. Um, We couldn't, they couldn't really run double file. So instead of the field being gridlocked and nobody can pass for 10 laps, they kind of got strung out into single file. There was still some side-by-side in the back. It kind of reminded me of, like, the Indy 500, except... You know, you can run side by side if you want to. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like yeah. it's like a snake of cars. You're kind of almost flat out, but you're on the edge, right? If your car's not handling good, mm-hmm. you're going to go backwards. And we saw that last night. Yeah. And it doesn't look stupid either. Like, they're not just, like, two by two, not moving. There's, like, gridlocked and everything. Yeah. Here, it looked like they were actually, like, racing yes and i feel like it actually takes a lot more skill like you said the handling and daytona talladega right now for the most part is just about luck at least it feels like that yeah this felt like you were racing like it felt like an appropriate race rather than just okay hope you don't crash it's like someone made a little mistake in a huge crowd in the space that they all had you didn't have these massive wrecks either so like any of the wrecks didn't feel stupid it was really, really nice. It went from, like, a Mario... Par- like, at Daytona and Talladega, it's like Mario Party, you know? But then, uh-huh. here at Atlanta, it felt like a racing game with a heavy strategy element of the draft and stuff, right? And, like, being yeah. in the right place in the right time. Like, it did really feel like a race. And so, we saw all night that tires mattered, number one. So, once tires got worn out... It really showed who had a good car and who didn't. Um, 
drivers could express their skill. We saw Brad Kislowski as it was after he took tires, but even like what in stage two, actually, like he went from what was it like 22nd to first. And we'll talk about, you know, his run later, but um, Kyle Busch was ripping it up in the top. Martin Truex, like in the end of the race, remember in that blue 19, he found something he found something like, he, and then he, Eric Jones was doing that same thing too on the yeah or something up there. A driver found a technique that could gain them a spot every corner at a super speedway race without drafting help, like huge drafting. We saw drivers there. being able to do stuff without help. Like it wouldn't like you would need help to go far and like get the lead, for example. But if you had a good car and you knew what you were doing, you could just kind of island hop. And let's say when they were train racing, so when they train race at Daytona, if you get out of line and no one goes with you, you go right to the back. Like, right to the back. Because every everyone's wide open. Everyone's, like, bumper to bumper. Um, But here in Atlanta, if you if your move doesn't work, there's likely going to be a gap for you to get back into. It might be tight. And if it's like right after the restart, everyone's probably closer together, so it might not work out for you. But it just felt just more like it, it felt less robotic, right? It it didn't if it because yeah. sometimes when you watch Daytona and Talladega, it looks like you're watching a bunch of AI race on a video game, but that felt like a bunch of humans. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, the, like this felt real. You it know? felt like, so Daytona, real. Talladega, it just sometimes it's just not fun to watch those anymore. It just yeah. isn't. And it's just like, okay, when are they going to crash? But you didn't have that. But you still had the super speedway guys like Brad Keselowski, who I think last night solidified himself as the current greatest super speedway driver because he was on a different zip code last night. He was just unbelievable. Yeah. Some of the passes he was making. When you saw Christopher Bell making cool passes yeah. as well. Ryan Blaney made some so much fun. really insane yeah. moves near the end of that race. Just, I mean, yeah. look at even stage one. Yeah. Like that battle for the stage one win, like that was really cool. Yeah. Both stages. Both stages. The whole were race. A lot of fun. The entire race. The whole race. I have not been in that engaged. And I think weather does play a part into it, certainly. Obviously, we knew it was going to rain, but at the same time, I just think, you know, it's it wasn't that easy to pass, but it was, you could still pass, though. Like, like we saw Almarola lead and Logano lead. Like, many consecutive laps, right? Um, so it's not like, you know, the lead was changing every lap. I, I, I just think the balance yeah. we had last night was amazing. Anytime there was a wreck, like when Harrison Burton spun, when Larson spun, um, I forgot who else even spun, like, or LaJoy and uh, Byron. Byron, the race winner, spun. Every time a car got loose and spun, it didn't collect, like, 20 cars or 10 cars. Yeah. It... It you, you know the field being spread out, they had room to avoid the 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 wreck, the spin. So we didn't, you know, mm -hmm. we didn't wreck everybody. It was it was so refreshing to see that. And you mentioned the rain and lightning, like that definitely played yeah. a part in this race. But they ran two hundred seventy seven miles. Yeah, I would be fine if we just did a three hundred mile race because you'd have this urgency. I think in. A, a scheduled 300 mile race. I don't think we needed another hour or whatever of this race to be satisfied. Like if this race ended as scheduled, hell, you could even say 275 miler, you know, I'd be fine. Yeah. Like this was awesome. I, I don't think you need these long races. Like this proved that you could have a whole complete awesome race and 
300 miles or less. Because I think NASCAR races do have like a... It's like when stage three starts, it just feels like there's a little bit too much of the race left. You know what I mean? Because you just had the yeah. intensity of all the stages, and then it's like you get to stage three, and it's like... I it The races do still feel a little bit long, especially after watching F1 yesterday, watching IndyCar every week. Or not every week, but you know, every race they do. Mm-hmm. I think... There is something to be said about, especially for these super speedway races where, you know, we're going to go to Daytona in a few weeks and they're going to ride around for like 100 miles, 200 miles, you know, um, it's just going to happen. And, you know, stages help mitigate that, certainly. But um, yesterday f- did feel like a good length. Like when the race got called, I did not feel like I wanted more, to be honest. I would have taken more. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but I didn't feel like I needed more. Yeah. So that's a good yeah, problem and to have. I guess we can kind of go into the last little bit there yeah. like did nascar waste time running those pace laps at the end yeah this you know, was the I, debate last for me, night for me it's just kind of like i get why they did it it is frustrating but again like i was satisfied because we, we knew that this race was going to come to an end at some point whether it was from lightning or rain and this rain stretched across several states it wasn't just like gonna be a 30 minute rain yeah. we go back and going again this was it rained until like 2 a.m. Yeah. Carolina. And also, so, it's a Sunday night and people worked today. Yeah. You know, like I, not yeah. me, but <laughs> not me, but, but yeah. We we had Daytona last year. They took a risk and they kept racing and they knew there was rain coming nearby. And then they wrecked them all in the corner. Yeah. They have a NASCAR has a fear of repeating that, I would imagine. And I don't blame them. Like, I. They probably could have made a call a little sooner. I think they're waiting for the rain to stop, but it's like, okay, you know that it's raining, just and ain't gonna stop. It's here. Yeah. I think it, if it, they would have helped the little the frustration some fans had if they just called it a little earlier, because when they're doing those pace laps, there were reports like, hey, it's raining, it's light rain. I don't know. They were in a tough position. I'm not really mad about it as a lot of people are, but again, we saw phenomenal racing and i don't think this little however long like 12 laps that many pace laps they did i don't think that ruins the race like this was still amazing i mean you can listen to our podcast episode after daytona last year um the august race the playoff cutoff and how i'm pretty sure i criticized nascar heavily for not throwing the caution soon enough for the rain um, yeah. everyone in the industry did. That was stupid. We wrecked so many cars. It changed the result of the race. It was just yeah. such a waste of everything. And I would rather them err on the side of caution and not restart the race, even though they maybe could have, even though it was drizzling the entire time, um, than to them go out and wreck a bunch of cars for no reason when we were having a pretty clean yeah. night, which is something we don't get a lot at these super speedways. So I... I'm not upset at what NASCAR did. I don't think it ruined the race at all. And I think people that are complaining about it, I understand the frustration. Um, I think it's funny, but I don't think it was Hendrick bias, right? Like, I really don't think it was Hendrick like, bias. I, I, I texted you, yeah. is that NASCAR's really trying, really struggling to fight the Hendrick bias allegations. But yeah. I, I don't, that's neat. If anything, was. they want Come that on. race to get restarted. They want to see Daniel Suarez, you know, win that race. Get th- Imagine the yeah. storyline of Daniel Suarez wins, right? 
You know, it's a playoff three wild card, three in a row for track house, three different drivers. Like that's a, if they really cared about doing stuff like, you know, they would have restarted that race, but, um, you know, and Brad Keselowski was like the, the star of the night. They would want him to get, you know, up there and challenge for the win. So I, I just, I think they made, ex- they did, they made the right call. I'm not upset with it at all. I probably would have done yep. the same thing if I was running NASCAR. You un- I understand why they kept because if the rain was gonna stop, you want to keep that heat in the track, you know, so the water doesn't start collecting. I get it, but so yeah. Um, let's go ahead and talk about like what, what we saw on the road. Yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say I was gonna transition in as well. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about Brad Keselowski, yeah, and I think you're about to say this as well. Like Ford, they look like the manufacturer to yeah. beat especially that six car team penske was one two three clap if you're surprised i was pretty excited i mean ford so here's the thing about ford at these super speedways no one's surprised at how fast fords are unfortunately it's the only place they're fast this year right but we saw obviously penske was fast the shr was really fast in qualifying especially um harrison burton before he spun was running up there oh Sorry, that just made me upset. Um, <laughs> I got, where did he finish? Because he got all of his laps back, right? Because he went like four laps down I think at one he, point. I think he finished one lap down still. I think he was like five laps down. 20, he finished 28th. Point, though. He finished in front of Martin Truex hey, and Harvick. Okay, okay. I'll take it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like the Fords were really fast. But of course, and what we saw Penske 1, 2, 3. Um, obviously they, yeah. they, they're just awesome at playing that game. It was actually really fascinating to see them work both lanes sometimes and still being able to get like Cindric or whatever back into the line that they're in. Like that was cool. Yeah. That again, that's why this is why this is better than gridlocked pack racing. I don't need my pack racing to be three and four wide. It is perfectly okay if they're single file. Cause it gives those Penske cars room to like show how awesome they are and it's really fun to watch it almarola so talking about the fords almarola completely threw away his chance to win in my opinion when remember when logano passed him i don't know if it was a stage one or two but logano passed him was one of the stages logano passed Mm. him got the lead and then almarola and i think obviously hindsight's 2020 but almarola went to pass him back but then he couldn't complete the pass, and then he went all the way to the back of the line, lost so much track position, did not really get it back the entire night. So yeah. that I was like, Almirola just threw his race away. This is the first time this year you're actually competing for a win, and you just threw it away. Like so, And, you, and Zach, you know how you mentioned, like, if you get out of line, you're not really going to, like, fall the way back. That was the only time this whole race that yeah. I can recall but that really happened. And it's because he didn't get back in line quick enough. Yeah. When he had the opportunity to. Yeah. Like that 10 car, you need to stay in line, dude. Just ride in second. You're fine. It's stage one, whatever. But the thing about the Fords though, that I want to bring up, we see them dominate every single super speedway race, right? Um, we see guys like Ryan Blaney up there. Ryan Blaney is probably the best super speedway racer. I think even better than Kislowski. I'm going to say that right now. Like he's, okay. I mean, I think his recent results at these kind of races kind of speak for themselves too. Like he's just literally always up there, always and, up there. But That's what fair. normally happens though is let's look at the super speedway races this year. Ford has only won one of them, and that was Joey Logano. And it's just concerning 
Because when this is your track type that you are obviously dominant at, obviously really good at, qualifying shows it, the race and the stages show it, your drivers show it, but you're only coming out with one out of four wins. Um, the only other win they had this season was the 600 with Blaney. That's really concerning as we're 19 races in and you've only won two events. And you should have four yeah. or five, I guess. Um, you know, you, you just, you're, you got to be frustrated by that as a manufacturer, as Penske, as Brad Kozlowski, as RFK. Like, you're throwing, yeah. you're just, they're just not able to close these super speedway races out, even though they dominate them. And, and you know, the other thing with Ford is that RFK has kind of been more consistent than Penske. Oh, yeah. Penske's either. Like one, everywhere two, three, else. Probably not one, two, three, but top ten. Yeah. Yeah. And then RFK, they're always consistently like low top ten or top fifteen. The Pinsky guys are either like twenty seventh or they're like yeah. top five. Top didn't 10. Jackson it's really bizarre. Didn't Jackson make a graphic where like RFK is like the most balanced team in terms of like the difference between so. their average finishes? Yeah, I mean it shows. Mm. Um but yeah, they uh, they just a uh, Chevrolet won. <laughs> and you yeah. know was it because and, of strategy because you know some guys didn't pit on that one pit stop and then they kind of just didn't really have enough fuel to make it to well, the end i'll tell you what zach i think the six car would have won this race if there was no rain because like that car was just like like i said just another level and you and I, I picked Kozlowski for fantasy, and you picked Kyle Busch. You yeah. won, which I don't know if that's deserving. So Kyle Busch, <laughs> but, let's, these last two weeks, Kyle Busch has, like, cheated top ten finishes. Because remember when the the strategy flipped at Chicago, yeah. and now basically this kind the of the same thing again. happened. Like, that eight team, you got to watch out for them. It. They Oh, man, if this was a full season championship battle, that eight team is dangerous. Because they are not getting bad finishes ever, but but yeah, no, you're right though. Kozlowski, yeah, Kyle Busch was not having a good race. He was like 24th, no, like the entire night. He was chilling like in the back. I was checking on Kyle for fantasy between us. He was like in the 20s or yeah. like maybe low teens, and I was like, oh, I got this in the bag, but you know, it's super speedway, whatever. Yeah, but then like you meant you were about to say, I think uh, Kozlowski, they had to pit at that. And the rain was getting near, the stage was coming to a close, and it was just like, do you stay out? Do you pit? Yeah, because if they stayed you know, out, like eight- they would have ran out of fuel mm-hmm. if they stayed out, because the rain didn't yeah. come quick enough for them afterwards. So it was a good decision to pit, yeah. but um, they had to. But and Yeah, go ahead. Brad himself said that if the rain came 10 minutes earlier or 10 minutes later, they would have won the race, and I agree. Yeah. It was just all timing. Yeah. 10 minutes later... He would have been able to get back around those last five Probably. cars because he stormed through the he field. Was, <laughs> yeah. He's just fast. See, that's crazy fast. I mean, yeah, and he was like, "What?" I'm looking at the finishing order. I don't think anyone else that pitted, like Blaney, finished ninth. I think he pitted and got new tires, mm-hmm. but most everyone else, they were not moving through the field like Kislowski no. was at all. And the other thing Kislowski did is he took four tires. Yeah, and I think that also might have benefited that. Tires mattered, but- man. It was so cool to watch. Yeah, they really did. But yeah, that fantasy battle between us, I was yelling. I have never rooted harder for Brad Keselowski in my life. That was intense. Like, 
Kyle and Brad were side by side for several laps. And Kyle Busch was making moves, too. He was, like, actually passing on the outside. Like, that was, you know, he, he was stuck in the back all night. But I think, you know, that that I think that was just a track position thing. Or maybe just, it was. I don't know, they knew it was going to get crazy and they would wreck or something, but th- I mean, mm-hmm. ugh, th- that was intense. It was intense. Because I, I, one more lap in that six car is by the eight, and I do not yeah, get that point. I know. Oh my god. And, and you brought up a great point on Twitter about the six car. Yeah, let's talk about this. They made, this was still the right decision, not 110%. to stay out there. Yep. Because they don't have a win yet, even if they did yeah. end up winning eventually. And Brad, still the right call. Like, let's talk about this. Brad personally wants this win. Screw the championship. Yeah. Brad wants to win as a car owner in the six car. So bad. But you can't forget about the championship. He has 100 points above the cutoff line without a win. Um, 100 points. And that's like... A really huge gap to the next person below him, too. So unless like mm-hmm. unless like what three guys and um three new people come and win in these next seven races, that six car is probably making is, the playoffs. Which is possible. Yeah, sure. It's like you have Washington Glenn coming, you have Daytona. Yeah. Yeah, Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman could win. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's several things that could happen. Well Bowman's yeah, Bowman's are hundred points. Wait. Yeah, Bowman doesn't have a win this year. Sorry, I thought it was 2021. I thought Bowman already had a win. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> Bowman is only one spot ahead of Elliott in points. Yeah. Wow. It's right, not looking races. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if he gets a win, he's in. But yeah, with Brad, he's 100 points to the good. You don't want to pit. And yeah, you don't want to pit there, and he runs out of fuel or has to go in and pit under green, and he loses so many points. He At least, like, what, 25 yeah. points? He'd be still good, but... Those points are all going to matter. Yeah, like with being a hundred and two to the cut line, or yeah, a hundred. You, he made one hundred and ten percent the right decision, or Matt McCall did, the crew chief. Um, yeah, because what's what that sixteen wants to look at right now is you know you want to worry about really winning once you get to like Talladega. Once they're in the playoff, they could probably make it to the round of twelve. You want to win Talladega, right? I think if they're patient enough, they, you know, Brad, your day's coming. That's what I'm trying to say. Brad, your day will come, all right? Maybe Daytona will work out. If it doesn't, Talladega's your time to shine. You've done it there literally like six times before. That's your time to go out and get your win. I think that would even be, like, more triumphant than getting it, like, here at Atlanta, right? So, yeah. I think... Because right now, it would just be five playoff yeah. points. I think later in the later in the season, it'll mean a lot more. And I said it last week when I made my fantasy pick, but Kozlowski's going to win one of these races at some point. Yeah. At least a super speedway. Like that team He's too good. Chris Busher could win one too. Oh, yeah. They are insanely good. I mean, they it's won the duels remarkable. on their debut, basically. Like the RFK right. debut. Like, I mean, they they are good at this. They know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. Um, so It'll be really interesting to watch, especially in the playoffs. It's at a race like Talladega. That's again, Brad's going to have that circled on his calendar. Um, right. But again, they finished sixth last night. I mean, they gained on the cutoff, I, I think. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's nothing to be upset about last night, I think, for that six team. They did exactly what they needed to do. I agree. So, like, this is the best case scenario. If they couldn't win, they got the best case scenario. I know. 100%. 
And then I guess let's talk about the actual winner who benefited from the rain. Uh, William Byron won yeah, again. The most boring part about the race, season. the winner. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's and, not even the fact that his school, Liberty University, is homophobic, as we know. It's <laughs> it's just it's nothing to do with that. I promise. Like, um, well, a little bit to do with it, but like, he's, William Byron just wins so many races. Not necessarily in Martin Truex style, but it feels like Martin Truex. You know what I mean? It's the same vibe. It's the same vibe. Not the same style, but the same vibe. Where it's just like, yeah. oh, of course he won. And maybe it's because he's the yeah. points leader. I don't know. But, you know, this was the first time he's been the points leader in his career. That's weird. Huh. You know? I, 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 maybe he was when he had the, when he got the penalty. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, on the teardown, they said... Jeff Gluck and George Bianchi, one of them said that he would have an 81-point lead if he did not have that penalty. Yeah, I mean, so, he's been the class of the field, that 24 car, so... And yeah. I know this was... He wasn't the fastest, and he was, got spun by Corey LaJoy in this race, and he still came back to win it, huh. but he had four wins coming into this season. He now has doubled that with another four. Yeah. And last year, he started falling off in about May, he hasn't really fallen no. off yet. And he has so many playoff points. Like, he's he might be, like, the favorite to make it at least to the championship four. He has seven stage wins. Is that the most out of anybody? It is. Oh, my God. He has so many stage wins. Wow. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, his playoff run, he's definitely going to make the round of eight unless they, like screw something up majorly but you know that 24 team has shown they're not screwing so races up he has seven stage wins is that what you said yes yeah, seven stage wins but like that's yeah. a, a lot more like the next so he closest... has so he has 27 playoff points already 37 right? 37 37 20 from the wins 20 from the four wins because it's five per win right yeah okay so yeah yeah okay. so he has 37 wins that's like what I think second most is like Kyle Bush with like twenty twenty five. So like, um, so yeah, like he's he's got a gap. He's got a gap when the playoffs start. And the way he's running, like if it's like Truex, where he's just like, I'm just gonna randomly win the race again. Yeah, like he'll he'll probably win two more. He'll probably be the playoffs. regular season champion. To be honest, unless Truex can like go on a tear and like get some more race wins, he's most likely just he's most likely going to be the um. The regular season champion. So, and, but that regular season championship is pretty close. Yeah, quite frankly, is. only because Byron got that penalty earlier. But yeah, very impressive season. And like you, like what you said, people were like, "Why do people dislike William Byron now?" I think it is just because it's like, "Oh, he won again." Whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't dislike him. He's a little all, vanilla honestly. too. Like, so. it's just, it's kind of like Chase That's Elliott. Fine. It's like Hendrick. Ju- it's like Hend- Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, Hendrick's kind of. They feel very sterile. I don't know if they've always felt like this. Yeah. Have they? Yeah, they have. Haven't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just another... Yeah, they're kind of sterile. It's kind of like Penske. Um, but, like, you know, Logano shows his personality, and even Cindric and well, Blaney do. Blaney does, too. Cindric yeah. does. I wouldn't say they're like Penske. Yeah. It's kind of like what you think Penske's like, but they're not. Yes. <laughs> Cause you like would all think, the dressed up, like Rick Hendricks always wearing that same outfit, the yeah, white, the shirt white shirt, and black pants. My king, like love Hendrick, love him. Um, but yeah. <laughs> he's my president. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's that's just kind of like, eh, he won again. Okay, yeah, I'm not mad about. But it, he did though. run good last night. I mean, him and Larson, God, Larson, 
he it's it's a shame he spun because Larson's becoming one of the best Chevrolet super speedway racers. Like he's actually running up yeah. front at well, he ran up front at the five hundred, especially late. Ran up front at Talladega before he got in that wreck. Um, and he was running up front um last night before he spun. Like he he's actually I'm really proud of his progress because he's normally not this good at yeah. the super speedways. So and him and Byron were tearing it up last night. And Bowman too. We saw Bowman up there. Um, didn't he finish fourth or something? Am I wrong? No, Bowman was in a crash. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Bowman. He was running. Yeah, he so, was running up front. But so Bowman ended up losing a bunch of points yeah, again. Yeah. And let, let's actually go into the playoffs here. Uh, once again, we talked about RFK. RFK and the four are hundred points or more about the cut line. Daniel Suarez plus three. Michael McDowell plus three. Yeah. But then if you actually look, second and third and fourth were all guys who would have locked their way into the playoffs. Daniel Suarez was second, Almendinger third, and McDowell fourth. Yeah. Man. And they are one of all, them that would have changed everything. They are all on the cusp of that playoff or that cutoff battle. They are. It's it's Michael really McDowell, close. Michael McDowell is sixteenth in points. Michael McDowell is ahead of Austin Sendrick, a Penske car, Ty Gibbs, a Toyota, a and I know, you know, they're both really new at the Cup Series still, but I, I don't... He's still outperforming Ty Gibbs. We know Ty Gibbs is good. Um, AJ Allmendinger, Bubba Wallace, right? He's outperforming Bubba Wallace in points. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, the 200 cars, I guess, don't count. But he's in front of some pretty pretty big names. Um, yeah. That 34 team, you know, they had a really good run at Sonoma. Like, they are putting together really good runs. I mean, I... They are. I think... Michael McDowell's at the peak of his career at the moment, I feel like, being able to do this, like, without, you know, a Daytona 500 win, right? Like, he's actually probably going to make the playoffs. Front row has improved so much, because Todd Gilland has had some awesome runs, too, for that 38. Um, Going back to the points, uh, Suarez plus three, McDowell plus three, then Cutline, then it's Wallace minus three, who was, like, plus 20 going into this, by the way. Yeah. Then Almondinger's minus 13, Ty Gibbs minus 26. Uh, Chase Elliott, little like Elliott watch. He actually lost points he lost on 16. Point, that's why I'm saying for the first time, uh, yeah. he is now minus 60. He finished 23rd. He's not a factor at all. No, he really wasn't. And you know, Jordan Bianchi, like this was last week on the teardown. He said that it's not likely for Chase Elliott to make the, the playoffs. And I think people kind of would be surprised by him saying that. I'm starting to well, agree last with week him. He said that. I'm, I mean, Again, there's no certain certainty that he's not going to have a bad race in these next seven weeks now. Um, you know, he... 60 points is not free. That's what I'm trying to say. Yes, mm-hmm. he can win, but there's no guarantees. And t- to be honest, the only race this year that I've been like, Chase Elliott could win this was Fontana. There has yeah. not been... Like, has he really been running that good since he came back? Like, yes, he got a top five at, uh, what, Nashville, was it? But he wasn't contending with the Toyotas or Chastain. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I... They need to put more runs together like Nashville. But they need to do it for the next seven weeks. I don't know if that's a thing they can do. I'm concerned. And he could just randomly win a race, too. Like, he could win New Hampshire. Yeah. Just the same chances nowhere, he could randomly but... win, I feel like, are the same chances he could get involved in an issue on one of the crazy sure. restarts at the Indy Road Course 
or at Daytona, or, you know, he's lucky he came... He, what, where did he finish last night? Like He finished 23rd. Oh, no, he finished 13th. Oh, he's 23rd in points, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you say he finished? He, he finished 13th, which, like... Okay. He, he was running... He, he should have finished in the top 10, I feel like, but yeah. he didn't, so... It's just, I don't know. Um, I'd be concerned if I'm that from, 19. I agree. To move on from the playoff situation, I want to give a slay of the week to Atlanta Motor Speedway. Not just for the race, but they did a really <laughs> cool tribute. They had Richard Childress <laughs> driving. Let's give it to Atlanta Motor Speedway, to be honest. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, fair. But, but they, Richard Childress drove the 2001 29 car that Kevin Harvick won his first race in. And then Kevin... Harvick himself drove alongside it. That was really cool. And seeing that car, like, in, like, current modern HD, like, I know he ran the scheme. Yeah. Uh, North Wilkesboro. It but, did like, look weird. that car in, like, HD was so cool. I mean, I don't know why, but why are the colors on those older cars so much brighter? Like, I guess it's, well, because it's actual paint, isn't it? Is that the reason? That I don't know, but I would assume a lot of them back then were, yeah. Yeah, because most cars, obviously, today are wrapped. Um, unless you're William Byron, who's sponsored by a paint company. Like, I think. I think they mm. I think they paint the Exalta car? I have, I have no idea. Remember Hendrick at the Super Speedways would paint the cars? Do you remember that? Cause the nine... it, because it gave him an advantage. Because the 9 car, it would be sparkly blue at... Oh. Mm-hmm. I don't think they still do that, though. I don't think they do. But, yeah, this was very cool to see with Harvick's car. That, that was very cool. Yeah, it was. Um, but By far the best tribute they've any tracks given him yet. I don't know if it'll be topped. To be I saw honest. someone mentioning that Tony could drive that number four championship winning car at Homestead. That would be mm-hmm. cool. It wouldn't hit the same, obviously, but it would be cool. Yeah, I know it wouldn't be the same because the numbers moved, but I'd really like it if they'd push, they put Budweiser on the car instead for either Homestead or Phoenix. I bet they do that. I think that'd be cooler. I bet they do think, that, though. Yeah. Like, I mean, That would be awesome. Bush has done so many weird things with their brand. They would definitely do that because it's still the, you know, it's still their brand. They you know It's still the same it's company. A, it's the same company. Yeah. yeah. I think they'll do I that, totally actually. I could see that. That would be really cool. I, I hope so. Yeah. Because they sponsored him since, what, 2011? 2012? For most of... Yeah, yeah, 2011 for a majority of his career at this point. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't... That'd be cool. Yeah. That would be really cool, actually. Um, So, yeah, cool. And honestly, just to kind of cap off this segment, again, we said it, but that race last night... like. They could turn Texas so into a super speedway right now, and I wouldn't be upset. Like, so let let let's talk about that because <laughs> I don't agree. Uh, <laughs> no, we don't need more. We, we just need to make Daytona more. and Talladega better. Well, yes, okay, yes. I how I wonder though if they will try to do that because I feel like certainly we're not the only two human beings on the planet that saw how much better that was. Right, right. 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 Like, let us know on Twitter yeah. if you think Daytona or Talladega, or sorry, if the, you know, Daytona or Dega is better than Atlanta, right? Like, it's a, like, what did you think? Because 
I want them to figure out whatever way they can to make Daytona race like Atlanta. I 100%. Yeah. And you know, Alex, I take back what I texted you Saturday night after I watched the Xfinity race because the end of it, the end of it happened and I'm like, "Wait a minute. I just watched a 202550 horsepower race." <laughs> Mm-hmm. I was not familiar with Atlanta's game. I was not familiar with their game. I apologize because that was not a 550 race. That was something completely different. That was a 2005 restrictor plate race. And I want it more. So cool. If we're going to have six super speedway races a year, I want them all to look like that. 110%. I don't care if you have to cut the spoiler off. I don't care at Daytona and Talladega. I don't care if you have to make the tires soft. I don't care if you have to. I don't know what you have to do, but do it. Make it happen. I'm gay and I don't know how to do it, but y'all aren't gay or are gay. And y'all can make it happen, NASCAR. So come on, please. Period. (laughs) Period. So I would say... They're so going to look at Texas and be like, you know, maybe we should do Texas like that. And it's going to be like, no, no, in my opinion, no, don't do that. It, We don't need eight of these because if they do Texas, we're going to have eight super speedways. I don't know. That's too many. If they're going to do that. Give one race to Atlanta and one to Texas. And I think that's the only way you could do it. You know, like, I just don't. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's a. I don't think Texas would get a second date back. There's no guarantee. So you'd, you'd be fine with seven? Yeah. Super Speedway? Races? If they all race like that, hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if, they, if they don't race like that, hell no. Because, <laughs> again, like, okay. I don't, I, I already, you know, last night sold me on the Atlanta thing. I'm not, I don't miss old Atlanta. Yeah. I don't. And to be to be clear, I was a huge critic of this. I did not like yes. any of the previous Atlanta, I, Atlanta races. Me too. Was awesome. <laughs> I was I not familiar with now. their game. That was exactly I, that was. We have not seen racing like that. You cannot get racing like that. I don't think at any other track because at Talladega and Daytona, no. they're going to go back there and they're just going to be bump drafting way too much. I think that was another reason last night was good. They just couldn't bump draft. They couldn't yeah. get close enough. I because mean, the handling, the handling, and the straightaways are too short. Like, <laughs> but they're but we're gonna show up at Daytona and they're gonna be wrecking because they're bump drafting too much, right? Right. So, yeah, I no, I agree. I just don't think we should do Texas. And I don't know if I said it on the podcast. I think I have. I want Texas to be a roval, and that way you can keep the oval for IndyCar because it's good there now. They figured it out. And then go back to the Charlotte Oval but in the fall. Why would IndyCar want an oval happy. race? No, why would IndyCar want an oval race when they can go to Argentina instead? <laughs> they already raced at the Texas Oval. What are you talking but about? But obviously they don't care about oval races. <laughs> oh my god. I'm throwing shade. Alright, let's go ahead and take a break before we talk about um, F1. What? The gay, the gay racing podcast is going to talk about Formula 1? What? And we have some tea. So we're going to go ahead and take a break. So Formula One had a really big event this weekend. Obviously, Formula One's very based in Britain. Um, so they had the British Grand Prix. And it's always a really big event at Silverstone. Um, you, just, you could just tell on TV. And we'll talk about that. But, you know, Alex, you watched Formula One this weekend. And I... <laughs> 
You know what I did? Last week, I felt like when I was talking about Austria... <laughs> what, you uh-huh. and Jackson were on the podcast? Alex, you had that look on your face like you did not give a single... A single whatever you want to call it. You did not care. At all. I didn't. You said, but clap look, if you, you care. <laughs> and you were not clapping. But you, I was not clapping. But, yeah. but your hype had me like, I wonder if it's still fun to watch. Because I don't know if I've even watched a full race this year of F1. So I was just like, okay. It's Silverstone. That's a cool track. It's a big event for F one too. It's like it's like yes, the Southern five hundred or the six hundred for Na- for NASCAR. You know, it's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'll watch. It's not at like six a.m. It's at nine a.m. Yeah. Time. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'll watch. I'll watch. And they had a lot of fun. I actually enjoyed it. And you know, the first part of the race, you know, it was Lando Norris leading. That was pretty cool that was cool but then later in the race they had the full course yellow the safety car and oh my gosh they were having a really good race they were they got, it was just like oh my gosh formula one can do this yeah wow i, I didn't know that you know they they really do and i think it because i get frustrated like you know that twitter drama we saw last week with like f1 fans and nascar fans like bickering and arguing on who's got the bigger uh, up uh, the the bigger series? Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. I didn't know where that was going. Me okay. neither. <laughs> um, well, I know it's supposed to go, but it wasn't going where it was supposed to go. <laughs> but like, you know, it's just like F one. Listen, it's different than NASCAR. Stop comparing them because they had a really good race at Silverstone. I'm not gonna lie. They we saw Norris and Hamilton have a Titanic battle. Um, it, it so and unfortunately fizzled out, but still, it was really fun to watch. Carlos Sainz got put on a really bad tire strategy. No one's surprised, but he went tumbling down the order. And honestly, watching that was fun because it was not again. It's hard to pass in F one. Um, not impossible though. And as soon as one car passed him, everyone was passing him. It was like, oh my <laughs> gosh. And, like, earlier in the race, Leclerc was battling, I don't even know who it was. I think it was Russell. And he was, like, blocking. And then I'm on Twitter, like, what is Charles Leclerc doing? He is being an (laughs) idiot. And it's just like, this is so fun watching F1, calling these drivers that are way better than me idiots. Um, All while Max Verstappen has a huge lead, um, which, you know, it's F1. It happens. It's happening this year. Red Bull has won every single race. Max Verstappen... Has won every single race except two. He's won, I think, like seven straight or something. Um, so it's a, it's just his year, right? Verstappen doesn't even need to win another race to win the championship anymore. Yeah, just crazy. Yeah, like it's just, it's just, it is what it is. But um, yesterday, you know, McLaren. So McLaren showed up this weekend, and obviously, it's again, it's a big weekend for a lot of the teams. A lot of the teams are based in um, Great Britain, so. You know, McLaren, they show up with a special livery, you know, celebrating their home race. Looks good. It was a chrome livery, kind of throwing back to their um old chrome livery from the Vodafone sponsorship, like back when Hamilton was at um, McLaren. I'm um, like, what, 2010 or whatever. So it it looked really cool. They also came into the weekend, apparently with some new upgrades to the car, and it showed because Lando Norris and Oscar Piastri were qualified second and third. Oscar Piastri, who only had what like nine points coming into the weekend, 
or I think he. Yeah, I know he did not. He he, like that. he he's not but, setting the world on fire, is what I'm trying to say. But he's a rookie. Yeah, he's a rookie. That is so impressive. Yeah, and he finished fourth. He was keeping up with Lando. Like, to wow. be honest, he was keeping up with Lando, and Lando is showing himself to be a really good driver. Um, you know, obviously mm-hmm. it's his fourth season in F1. You would expect that. Um, fifth season actually. So, I think McLaren. If we look at what the uh, the constructor standings, um, if I can find them. McLaren's coming in right now to make if I can find it. Where is the this F1 website? Oh my god. I can't find it. Oh, there it is. So it was like what Mercedes and Aston Martin kind of fighting for second behind Red Bull, obviously, in the constructors. Um apparently yeah. if Max Verstappen was a constructor, he'd have a huge lead um without Sergio Perez. <laughs> but um, you know, McLaren Maybe if they can have a run like this for the rest of the season, they could catch up to Ferrari and Aston Martin and Mercedes, and we could have a really titanic battle for second in the constructors. So, because they're just about now halfway through the season after Silverstone. So, yeah. I mean. And this was the first time McLaren's been on podium there since 2010, which is crazy. And this is also the first time we've had two British drivers on the podium. At the same time, at Silverstone since 1999. Huge weekend so, for British drivers. I mean, Russell also got a top five. Apparently, Russell... There's, like, drama on Twitter about Russell, the way he talks about Lewis on the radio. Because apparently... I mean, I think this is a normal thing. But, like, he's really frustrated, Russell is, every time he finds out Lewis is ahead of him. Which, like... Really? Yeah, which, mm. like, I get it. But, like... I don't know. I, I think... I feel like most drivers just don't react like that, though. <laughs> That's just the thing. It's just a little yeah, awkward. But speak of Lewis, though, he is so far from being washed up. Yeah. If that car had the speed that he had a few years ago, he'd be right up there with Max. He's still so good. That battle with Lando really shows that he's still got it. I think it's so fun to watch. Yeah, honestly. I mean, he hasn't won since these new regulations. Mercedes has been struggling. I think you're 100% correct. Like they, I think Lewis put him back in the fastest car on the grid or an equal car to Max, and I think he's up there. Um, I don't think he's washed. Hopefully, Mercedes figure something out before Lewis is ready to hang up his helmet, though. That's the only thing I'm worried about because right. we don't know how long this Red Bull domination is going to last for. Um, doesn't look like anything's going to change anytime soon. Well, I'm and Perez. The go ahead. I was just going to bring up Perez. Uh, I texted you, and if you listened to last week's episode, you know where I'm going to go with this. Zach said that maybe Alex Pillow is going to be teammates with Verstappen again, uh, this time at Red Bull. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I see it. Maybe that's happening, because, I mean, Perez is not Perez like he was a few years ago. Yeah, Checo has not made Q, uh, what's it called, Q3? Or has he? I don't know if it's made it out of Q1 or not made Q3 for the last five races. Either way, that when you good. have the best car on the grid, you are expected to make the top 10 in qualifying. I don't know if that's a hot take or not. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so that's a huge, huge problem for Red Bull. Maybe not this year, but next year. If, like, I don't know what's going on. Hopefully they get it figured out. For Hopefully for Sergio, he gets it figured out. Because, you know, Red Bull, yeah. they treat their drivers like cattle. They switch them out. They... They they play a little video game with them, so I'm just saying, Alex Pillow in that Red Bull seat, 
think they'd... You know, I saw a tweet. Yeah. I saw a tweet that said, wow, I can't wait for Alex Pillow to beat Max Verstappen's win record next year. <laughs> that made me laugh. <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah. Oh, man, I did. <laughs> yeah. God, I think that's what Formula One needs, someone like Alex Pillow. I might be hyping him up too much, but I... Oh, I hit my mic. But, like, you know, I... Again... I don't know. We'll have to see how this Red Bull situation plays out. We still don't know what's going to happen at Alpha Tori either with Nick DeVries. Um, yeah, there's been talks that maybe someone's going to get replaced, or it sounds like they want to get rid of DeVries. I don't know what's going on over there. So, yeah. Lots of question marks. But yeah, and it um, directly impacts the IndyCar silly season. So, we'll be watching it. Yeah. You saw how what F1 announced they're going to have 24 races on the calendar next year. Um, yeah, they did announce a calendar. Yeah, and they're it's basically the same. Well, they rearranged a lot of the schedule, but it's the same tracks except they're adding China back for the first China's time. Back. Yeah, for the first time since yeah. um the pandemic. So that's awesome. Um, there, you know, there was controversy on Twitter about you know twenty four races way too much, and they tried. They did their best to group you know the regional races um in the same region together, but then there's there's still yeah. a bit in the schedule where they're gonna go from like Japan to United States. To then I think to Italy and then they're they're gonna go back and forth a lot still. I saw I saw I think it was Adam Stern tweeted that F one tried to get Canada to move their date right. closer to Miami, but mm-hmm. they couldn't do it. So Canada stayed the same, I guess. So right. they're trying to have like little North America swim yeah. with like Mexico. It was basically and all that. that. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um there's a lot of there's a lot of controversy with that, obviously, as Formula One is trying to be more like, you know, um eco friendly. You know, the more these teams have to travel, the less eco friendly it is, and especially if they have to keep going back and forth for no reason. So um And they keep adding races. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that schedule. Twenty four races for F one. It's F one, it's insane. You know, I they go from March to like almost December. Like it's it's a lot. It's a lot on these teams. I don't envy it at all. I mean, I really don't. So, but whatever. It's a it's a good problem to have, I guess. I wish IndyCar had that problem. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um. But I guess with ovals specifically. With ovals. Yes. Yes. So, like how we have way too many races in America, some people would say. I wish IndyCar had that problem with ovals. We have we have too many ovals. Oh, Oh darn it! We have too many ovals. Darn. Uh. We'll think of something, guys. Um, but I guess we'll go ahead and transition over to, to uh, this week's edition of The Tea. And Alex, let's go ahead and talk about, um, obviously, how did Chicago do in the TV ratings? Oh, Zach, it did really good. This had, Chicago had the second best TV ratings of the year behind the Daytona 500. Wow. That is way better than I thought it would do. That's crazy. And it was the most for NBC since Homestead of 2017. Wow. Quite a while. That's crazy. Crazy. And then the total number of viewers were 4.6 million, which again, that is second most after the 2500. This is the big one. 9.3% of Chicago residents watched the race. That's a huge number. It is. And I believe that's the highest of like any market. Yeah. Like major market. That's awesome. That makes sense. Like, I think that's a, that's a success. Like, I know 9% sounds low, but it's really not. Like, that's like... That's a pretty good chunk. A huge chunk of a major city. Yeah. yeah. That's 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 a big deal. I mean, you know, they... 
I, I mean, what else do you say? And NBC, I think that's their biggest race since 2017. Wow. Yeah. That is crazy. They got to be happy. They have to. I mean, that's success for, again, literally everybody. I would never visit Chicago, but now I would, you know, for NASCAR. Yeah. Right? It's got to be. It's good for the city, good for the sport, good for TV. Um, Good to see NBC having that kind of success. And I kind of want to, like, bring up the fact that last night's race was on USA and not NBC because it's just, like, we've had this stretch of Sunday night races almost three in a row now. And, you know, the San- – It'd be nice to have a bigger sample size to see if this is the future for NASCAR, especially in the summer months. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, right. I just find it really interesting. Yeah. Something else that you might find interesting, Zach, because you put this in here, is that there was some team orders drama down in supercars. Yeah. Uh, involving the Chicago winner SVG. Would you like to talk about that? Yeah, great transition. So, obviously, oh, God, S. Actually, okay, there's more than just team the team owner drama, because some of y'all just need to shut up. Like just shut up. The again, the Kyle Larson and Shane Van Gisbergen um you know contests to see who has the bigger personality. Um <laughs> It's the second time you've done that today. Like what are you doing? But Twitter, you know, Alex, you saw it, right? Like everyone's debating, like, oh, well, Shane Van Gisbergen is better than all these NASCAR drivers. Me. Um, <laughs> and it's just like, <laughs> but then there's people like, well, he only had he had fresher tires, and it's the first time the NASCAR drivers have been on the street course. It's just, can everyone shut up? Because stop talking. And then we get to another drama involving SVG. So the first Supercars weekend since he wins this race, obviously, um, they rate. I don't even know where they were, but they had um a weekend somewhere in Australia. Oh, for real? <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! Surprise! Um, but yeah, so they they had a race, or they had a pair of races because they do, you know, they do like a race each day. So there was some drama because SVG, I believe, he was going to finish third. But then he pulled over for his teammate to go by to finish ahead of him so his teammate could get more points. Apparently, it's a team order. And they posted that on Twitter, the Supercars account, because, you know, you post your racing series. Duh. um, Imza, you should try that sometime. And NASCAR fans are feeling the most entitlement ever, thinking this is about them. (laughs) I can't. I'm sorry, Alex. (laughs) Ha! They think, they, NASCAR fans think everything is about them. Because then they're like, how dare? This is them in the comments, Alex. They're like, how dare you have a race on the other side of the world away from me at 1 a.m. my time? How dare you have team orders in your series? Where I come from, in my American NASCAR, we don't have team orders. Because Austin Centric last night definitely did not back up the entire field coming into pit, ro- pit road to guarantee Ryan Blaney and Joey Logano uh, getting out first. We don't do that in my NASCAR. Not at all. So how dare never. how dare Red Bull Racing and, um, and Supercars, how dare they want to win the championship? That's not what we do in NASCAR. Our teams don't want to win the championship. That's why they put Harrison Burton in the car so he can spin on lap 35. 
thought you were going after our boy. Oh my god. That was great. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I... What do you I think, Alex? I to say. <laughs> I think I said everything. I mean, like, y'all are... You said everything. I'm sorry. But y'all either need to change your diaper or just get off Twitter. Maybe try threads out because y'all killing me. To think this is about... Because I just never really see the... I don't want them to ever, in any racing series, try to police team orders. Because then they're just going to get stupid no. with it. You know? Mm-hmm. And... Even in NASCAR, when they try to police it, like, like, I it just doesn't ever feel clean or right. Like, there's a huge gray area with it, right? Because I think I was the only one that saw Austin Cindric do that last night, right? Like, well, I noticed it too. Yeah, which it was slick. Yeah, it was cool, but also, yeah, it was. You and you and I were talking about it for a bit. Like, oh, is he doing that? Is and it? I was like, and we. It's so funny because the night before in the Xfinity race, people were criticizing Justin Haley for not helping his teammate. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> but um, so yeah, team orders don't exist in NASCAR apparently. Still, yeah. um, so I, yeah, NASCAR fans, listen, just because SVG came over does not mean y'all can go and bully the Supercars account. Into changing their entire culture of their racing, so that's all I gotta say. I wonder how I wonder how the NASCAR fans would have reacted if SVG's teammate got over for him. Would they've been like, "Oh yeah, SVG, let's go, the goat." Like know. would they've been the like goat. that? I feel like NASCAR fans hate SVG. You know, I I don't know. I, I don't know the actual perception on that because they think Kyle Larson's better, or maybe they don't. Depends who you uh, are. I don't know. I don't know. He the didn't second goat. <laughs> I was gonna say Kyle Larson was better, but then he spun out at a super speedway, so I don't know. <laughs> Both of my actually, hell, Hamlin got involved in an accident too. Jesus Christ, all my drivers did not have good nights last night. Oh no. I hate it here. Not Bowman and Denny wrecking each other two weeks in a row, by the way. The gays are fighting. The hot people just keep losing. Oh I hate God. to see it. Why? This is why I don't like drivers. They just disappoint me. Um, so true. Yeah. And so one last little sip of tea here. I put it in here in case we didn't have anything. Um, but I went to a Taylor Swift concert. Oh. It was a lot of fun. Did she win? Yeah. <laughs> yeah she won. She won. Does she do team orders? Um, <laughs> but, anyway. I don't want to talk on this about too long as it's for a racing podcast, yeah. but I just want How to say, dare. "How dare you?" I get the, I get the hype. Oh, I I get it for real. I I I, I totally get the hype. Um, shout out to one of our listeners at indie underscore Amy. I think that's her under, under username. I was trying to say underscore username. <laughs> Amy, hi. Uh, you requested I talk about this on the podcast, so here welcome. it is. Um. <laughs> Uh, that was crazy, man. Yeah. I'm surprised I can even hear. People were screaming, oh screaming. And, like, I went to the Indy 500 this year, and that was, like, six times as many people as this concert, right? But this still felt like, oh, my God, this is crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
don't have much else to say about it for how was like like, how was like traffic or like getting out like was it really like hellish um honestly we got out pretty quickly i didn't have any issues i've seen tiktoks because now i'm on taylor swift tiktok uh people were stuck there for like hours (gasps) oh somehow we got really lucky wow because it was it at like a sports stadium yeah, it's where the Kansas City Chiefs play. Same stadium. Oh, yeah. So, obviously. um, Hmm. Interesting. What was your yeah. favorite, like, song of the night that, like, really stole you? Oh, girl. Oh, girl. So, I'm a, I'm a reputation girly. Oh. So, uh, ready for it? Slap. Yes! Slap. That's my oh favorite my song. That that song. Oh, my I God. I liked when they Live used that song. Crazy. I love when they use that song for intros for, like, sports, like football or stuff or for yeah. commercials. That's my favorite. Like, oh, take me back. That that whole segment, because she was doing... E- the set was basically each album. Yeah. It's like a segment of each That's album. That's fun. Okay. That segment was nuts. Like, that was my favorite part by far. Wow. So, yeah. That's Slade. Slade of the Week, Taylor Swift. Congratulations. Congratulations. Wow. Yeah, sounds yeah. fun. Cool. Um, yeah, you should check her out if you've never heard of her before. Uh, <laughs> let's see... Gay Racing Podcast Fantasy. Yeah. Are we ready? I I am ready. Um, so obviously NASCAR is gonna go to New Hampshire this week. We'll start out with that. Um Alright, let me type out my pick. I already I've had my pick ready for this race for a while. Oh. Interesting. Alright, you ready? Mm. Alright. Yep. Three, two, one. Oh! Ooh. Oh! I didn't expect that. Oh, okay. Well, I get Christopher Bell, who, you know, has finished second and first in the last two New Hampshire races. Um, And you get Martin Truex Jr. Yes. I mean, Martin Truex was my second pick. So, yeah, this will be close. (laughs) So it'll be another close DRP battle. I've let you take Truex too many times and I've lost points. So I'm not making that mistake. And this is a really good track for him. It's one of his home tracks. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. It is one of his, like, six home tracks. Um, Here's the thing, though. I think this is Bell's best track on the schedule. <laughs> it, he was good here at Xfinity. Is. He's obviously good here in Cup. I mm-hmm. don't see any reason why. I. That, that's the thing, though. If someone's going to beat him, it's going to be Truex. So. I know. Or. Or my man, Kyle Busch. <laughs> Honestly, I thought about picking Kyle Busch because he's probably going to finish top five again. Yeah. Just, just because. Yeah. So I don't know. It'll be a, we'll see. It'll be another. We've, we've done this a lot. We picked JGR teammates, so we'll see how that goes. I don't even know if Bell's been running that good lately. I think he kind of has. Like He's up like in the top six or seven in points. Yeah. Like he's, I think he was a point leader for a brief moment. So I mean, up there. I expect him to do really good next week. So um, I think his turn to get what his second win of the year. He, he he's only won Bristol Dirt. So yeah, I'm um, watch Denny too. Obviously, I think Denny will be pretty fast. So yeah, um, yeah. IndyCar will be at Toronto. Um, you know, it's a it's a race. <laughs> I don't have anything to say. About yeah, it. this is probably my least favorite track on the schedule. So the my problem, I understand why they put it on Peacock yeah. only. My problem with Toronto is I feel like it's a street circuit that doesn't really have character. Like, I don't really know it's... Yeah. It doesn't really... Like, it's just there. I don't know what the... It doesn't have, like, a key feature, I feel like. I don't know. Yeah. Um, like, you know how they're, like, 
fountains right or it's like nashville has the bridge and st pete has that really big front straightaway and then that really tight section that comes after it like or in Mm -hmm. then even like detroit um you know detroit was new for us but still like that big straightaway coming down to that turn from those restarts was awesome right like and like chicago chicago over for nascar they had a whole park that turn six was haunting people especially noah gregson yeah and like toronto just doesn't I don't know. It's not giving anything. I don't even know what the track layout looks like. I just know there's a curve on the front stretch. Or, like, there's a turn next to pit road or something. But, anyways, um, I have my pick typed out, or I'm getting it typed out. Are you ready, Alex? I'm ready, Zach. All right. Three, two, one. Oh my gosh, we both picked okay. Alex Pillow. Wow, it's almost surprise. like it's almost like he's going to he he has four straight wins, yes? Three straight? I think it's three yeah. straight. Or is it four straight? It's I think it might be three or four. It could have <laughs> been five if he won the Indy five hundred. Yeah. But well Joseph said no. No reason believe. to think that he's not gonna continue to do that, obviously. So best of the rest. Yeah. Um I got my next picked picked out right me too three two one Ready. we mm. oh okay we're doing we, this again we're doing this again we both picked scott dixon okay we're doing this again all right i have my next one i didn't think you'd pick i didn't think you'd pick dixon i kind of saw this coming to be honest i kind of saw this okay. coming dixon did win there last year anyways Ooh. <sighs> Ooh. okay Ooh, this is risky. I have a point lead. Oh! Okay. Hmm. Well, I guess okay. I'm... Okay. You ready? You're, I probably just gave you a big hint. Yeah, I'm ready. Three, two, one. Yeah, I know you, Colton Herta! You picked Colton Herta! You dumbass! You dumbass! Just give me that point! Bro's gonna find something on pit road to get wrong this week. You dumbass! I picked Will Power. Give me the point already. Just you go and put it in the dock. You crazy as hell. Now when Colton Herta actually wins Listen. this week, I'm gonna look stupid. <laughs> Listen, it, I know it's a risk, but look, he's gonna randomly just destroy everyone randomly one of these weeks just out of nowhere for no reason just and it's gonna be his one win of the year and we're all gonna move on he did finish second Toronto. here last year right i know mm. i know and i thought about picking kyle kirkwood but he's so hit or miss and qualifying and stuff like, i don't want to do that if it's not below and herda can like put together a race like let's not not colton but his team can put together a race I think he can do it. I mean... Power's a good choice. He has... Colton Herta has one top five in the last five races. And he should have, like, a win. Yeah. You know, know what I mean? Like, it's he, just... You know. Ugh. Well. But he also has two straight poles. So. Yeah. Um, The only concerning thing, I think, is that Detroit, he did not qualify well. So. Right. Like, if he can... If he can clean... Again, just have a clean weekend... Then yes, I could see you completely screwing me in these points and Colton Herta winning. Actually, he's not winning. And Alex Pillow will clear him. Let's be real. Probably. Um, you really need points, like really bad. I mean, you have you get you did get that one win and you got an extra point. You need three wins and points to tie me. Yeah, how many races are possible. left? It's uh, there's like 
Oh, what's it called? Is there eight races left? I think. And Wait, and I'm nine points behind. Before I... Or Let's no, I'm eight points behind. Here. There's eight races left, and I have eight points to get. So I just need to beat you oh. in the next. I just need to beat you. <laughs> so if you don't beat me, you got to get at least another win. Ooh. Yeah. Stakes are high. Okay. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine. Four. What? Eight. Eight. I miscounted. Yeah. Because <laughs> Mid Ohio okay. was the midpoint so, of the season. So. Yeah, I think I counted Mid Ohio. Okay. Ugh. So, yeah. We'll Toronto, see. then two Iowas. And then we're coming down to the last stretch there. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. So you cannot afford to lose. I'm right. Or I, else you have to win. I'm kind of. So, I got wait, some momentum, that means, though. That means I already won because the best you can do is tie, right? No. No, if you win a You bunch, were silly. No. You were so silly. You, I already won no. because you all you can do is tie. I'm Alex and I'm so cool. Come on. Shut up. So if you if you don't win. I again, will. I already have it up. I will win. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we'll see about that. You ain't picking Alex Polo because I'm blocking you, so I don't know about all that. Well, he might not win this week. I'm just saying. Sure? He's got to lose at some point. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. I mean, a street, a street circuit might be the place. He just, I don't know, Rex or something. I don't know. That engine's got to give out at some know. point, man. It's just got to give out. He, there, he is still deserving of a gearbox failure for Road America 2021. He is still due. Yes. I will never get over that until he gets a gearbox failure. Yep. He's still due. Come on. One of these days. All right, y'all. Well, um, great episode. Thank you again to Michael Carey for joining us and um, talking on this week's episode. Um, make sure you guys watch SRX this week. It will be on Thursday night, ESPN. Um. They're at Stafford. Yeah, they're at Stafford. So, yeah, it'll be a pretty good race. Good weekend of racing coming up. We have IndyCar, NASCAR, obviously. We have SRX Thursday night. Um, yeah. Is there F1 again? No, they're taking a week off, and then they're going to be at Hungary okay. the next week. So, Gotcha. But, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, you can follow us on many different social platforms now. <laughs> you can follow us. Um, I'm at DreamyZachGP on Twitter and threads, and even Instagram, but I don't really post on Instagram. Alex is at New Gaiden, um, on all those places, and you can follow us, the podcast, at Gay Racing Pod on Twitter, threads, and Instagram. Um, if you want to help support the podcast, um, you can leave us a rating on Spotify and Apple, or Apple, whatever platform you listen on. That would be greatly appreciated. It really helps us, you know, the algorithm would like us. So, yeah, that's really it. Um, so yeah, thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of the Gay Racing Podcast. We'll be back next week to talk about all the racing. Um, stay safe and see you guys next time.